You're listening to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. If you want to have guarantees, you have to buy a washing machine. Match either we win or we learn, and today we learn. Abdacha, Austin, shot at Isabel. It's in field to Mane, 25 yards out. Lovely ball for Bella. Onside, 1 0. Blue fast shot. Oh my word. It's unbelievable. He ran around a bit like Bambi on ice. It was very, very embarrassing to watch. And now, your host, Matt Markstone. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast and newsletter dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans and available right here on SouthamptonDelivery.com. My name is Matt Markson. I am the host of the show. And no matter where you are, no matter how you may be listening, whether this is your first time or you've been here before, thanks for making the show part of your day. I hope you enjoy it. And I hope that you at least enjoyed parts of the match against United, even if the final score wasn't something we could celebrate uh, and the last 30 minutes were maybe even difficult to watch and maybe even parts of this podcast are difficult to listen to because the dog is squeaking a toy in the background. That's a new dog. That's a puppy. Um, I, she doesn't listen. So, uh, we're just going to go on anyway, because that's also what saints should do. They should take some of the good things from this. And if you could see the dog, you would realize she's very cute. So you'll put up with this, but saints had some moments of beauty that James Ward Prowse free kick. There's no denying how beautiful that was. There were very few moments in the game, though, that really, um, you know, were were good. There were lots of moments I thought where we were not very good. McCarthy came up with a couple of big saves, also had a few mistakes. It just seemed like the passing wasn't quite working. Uh, like forwards found too much space, but Cavani came on and did what Cavani and what Zlatan and what Van Persie, I think, before my time had done before. And so we should, at this point, just be used to it because that is what United do to us when we get a lead. So anyway, that said, we're going to get through it. It's going to be fine. When we recorded this episode uh, with Michael Kern, who you can find on Twitter and Instagram at Michael Kern, we were still in fifth place and we were okay with that. As of now, uh, when this episode is coming out, we are down into sixth because of um, VAR. I'll just blame it on VAR because uh, West Ham are now above us. And I'm not sure I could hate anything else in the world more than the fact that West Ham are above us in the table. It makes me mad. But anyway, on this week's show, obviously, Michael Kern and I will discuss the United match, but we're also going to talk about his newest project. If you don't remember, Michael Kern is the author of Life of a Saint and of another book called Desire, Dream, Vision. And he's also the man behind the new Southampton documentary, Lori and the Boys of 76. It's all about the 1976 Cup Final, so we'll talk about that in depth as well. Now, if you'd like to get more information on that, you can do that at lifeofasaint.co.uk. And once again, all of the links are in the show notes, so you can go follow him, find out more, and find out how you can get involved with Laurie and the Boys of 76. So uh, that's enough of this now. Let's jump into the episode, and we'll talk to you on the other side. We'd like to welcome back to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, Michael Kern. You can find him on Twitter and Instagram at Michael Kern. We played Man United. We're talking about a half hour or so after the final whistle, a disappointing end. But uh, we're also going to talk about the boys of 76, which, of course, involves Manchester United. So we thought it would be a good uh, good place to meet 
And uh, unfortunately, the result just didn't hold up. But Michael, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, a little bit disappointed with the result. You know, 2 0 up at half time. An amazing James Ward Prowse free kick again. Uh, of course, involved with that corner as well for the first. But um, yeah, the, I think it's one of those things, isn't it? We've had such a bright start to the season. A defeat against a, a low bottom half team like Manchester United feels like the end of the world. But actually, if you. You put it into perspective we're doing pretty well at the moment so um yeah disappointed but there's a lot of heart to take from it yeah this is one of those things that disappointing but not totally surprised i was uh if, if we just get out in front of it i would say i'm not sure we deserved a 2-0 lead going into halftime we, we kind of were up against it there for the first 20 or 25 minutes but um still uh happy with the team overall and and we'll get into that but uh before we do that um england in the middle of a lockdown, but looking at fans coming back and I guess just we'll just start there because that's a little bit of positive news in terms of, of being able to get fans back in the stadium. So just from your perspective, having worked in stadiums and, and been around fans and stuff like that, like how important do you think that is for for just both the fans and then also the clubs that are going to rely, especially lower down the league? Um, um, I'm actually some questions about that. Uh, just, you know, match day revenue and things like that. How important is that kind of stuff, do you think, for everybody involved? Massive, you know, especially for those lower league teams, as you mentioned, you know, because for a lot of those teams, it's, it's the bread and butter at the moment. And, and it always has been the, the fans you get through the gate, the secondary spend when they buy themselves a drink and something to eat. It really helps with those clubs lower down the league. But also from an atmosphere point of view, especially in the Premier League, you know, that atmosphere inside St. Mary's when it's full is something special. Um, and, you know, we've just alluded to how well the team are doing at the moment and to not have the fans in the stadium watching and witnessing that in person and the atmosphere would just be incredible right now so yeah great news um as it as it stands as we speak right now um, looks like hampshire's going into tier two so that means i think it's about two thousand fans that we can get in over the next couple of weeks so yeah fingers crossed obviously the most important thing is the safety of everyone you know we don't want fans going back in there and, and then falling on well so, so fingers crossed all the procedures will be in place but yeah it's so incredibly important and i think not just from from a financial point of view and, and from an atmosphere point of view but from a mental health point of view as well, I think it's really important. It's been tough for everyone across the world, you know, Saints fans listening across the globe. It's been a difficult time for everyone and it's been amazing seeing that the Saints fans stick together. Some of the conversations on social media and Twitter and everyone rallying together in this tough time has been, been really special. So, um, yeah, it'd be incredible to get fans back and get back to some kind of normality over the, over the coming weeks and months would be really special. Yeah, my life hasn't changed that much other than teaching via Zoom, but uh, to be honest, my my match day viewing experience doesn't does hasn't changed that much, um, and it's really just exposed the fact that I don't do very many things with other people. So the fact that I can just kind of be myself is nice. But um, definitely, I can see it in my kids. I can see it in uh, my friends, and and especially even my wife and my dad. Like they, I don't. I guess I'm somebody who doesn't need people around as as often, but they definitely do thrive on that. And so, you know, to have the big family Thanksgiving canceled, and to you know, I'm, we're looking. We're probably not going to get together for Christmas for the same reason. Um, but it is important to get people around and kind of build, uh, just build each other up and be around other people. And, and just, uh, it, it is super, super important. And then, you know, the football side of it, I think is secondary, but also important, especially, um, you talk about teams that are into the championship and in league one, and league two, and then lower than that, where you're not talking about 13% of all the revenue coming in being from match day revenue. You're talking about, you know, closer to 75, 80, 90%. Uh, is is there and so to not have that is, is going to be is going to be super super difficult. But um, I mean, you, you work in an industry uh, as a presenter and things like that has been extremely hard hit by um, 
you know, by COVID and everything else. And I was just wondering, you know, I think a couple of months ago they said you should learn how to do something else. So what were we going to become a butcher <laughs> or what were you looking at, at doing with your secondary job? You know, that was quite funny. That caused a little bit of a stir over here. You felt I took the test and it basically said I should go into some kind of entertainment uh, industry. So I was like, well, I'm pretty knackered then, aren't I? Because <laughs> pretty much what I do already. Um, but yeah, look, it's been a time to adapt and evolve, hasn't it? I think for a lot of people, I think number one has been to, to make sure we all stay safe and look out for each other. But, you know, I've had it, you know, for me, I've literally like every single contract for me in the first two, three weeks of the first lockdown disappeared. I, I lost the job at Southampton, which I was gutted about, but incredibly grateful for an amazing season there. And it was a, it was a pleasure to, to be pitch side and out and the fans. You know, I met some great people and, and the volunteers on a match day used to have a drink with them before the game and used to love that. And it was amazing and, and really grateful for that. And then talk sport kept me on for most of the lockdown, but then didn't renew my contract. So it was a been a difficult time for adapting for me personally as well and I think a lot of people have so yeah a few days on a building site here and there got a few mates that um you know work in the building industry my dad's got his own building company as well so you know a little bit of labor in here and there has been a bit of an adaption but um yeah that's what we have to do right isn't it you know first and foremost keep ourselves safe but at the same point just just survive and find opportunities and, and keep going yeah I think a lot of it's how, how you adapt and how you, what, what your mindset is around that it's it's I don't want to give anybody advice because like I said, my life hasn't changed that much. I've been very fortunate, but um, you know, to everybody out there, you just, I guess, just keep going and, and, and that, and yeah. you know, you, you've done that to a large extent um, because even though those things have kind of fallen through, you've been super busy. And I, so I appreciate your time here because uh, not only have you, uh, you started publishing books, uh, right. Yeah. Uh, you are, you, you've written a book, which I have uh, right up here. Uh, you got a documentary coming out. Um, and get back in the goalkeeping game a little bit as well, I think. Yeah. The last thing for me in this lockdown has been about the positivity. And, and, you know, when I came on your podcast for the very first time, we talked about Desire Dream Vision, which was my first book that I released coming out and just keeping positive and, and finding things that you like. And I guess for me, I was very lucky when I got to 19 that the football career, I realized I wasn't good enough to play for Saints in England. And, you know, I kind of drew a line under that football career and ran off to entertainment land. And then all of a sudden I lose all these contracts left, right and center. I'm like, well, I've got a bit of time on my hands here. Let's see if I've still got it. So um, I went for a little bit of a tryout at Billericay, which is managed by Jamie O'Hara. So I was working with him at the time on TalkSport and kind of felt I still had something and could kind of, you know, still had the footwork and the hands were still, I could still catch a ball. All right. Um, and then kindly enough, I got um, Dave Diaper at Schoeling. Um, lived in Southampton, you'll know about Scholing, um, if you're around the rest of the world, give them a follow on social media. They're a good, great little non-league team. Um, went along and they said, look, we've got two goalkeepers, but if you, if you fancy coming along, you're more than welcome to train. And then somehow managed to flag getting signed on. And, you know, I'm number three goalkeeper and we've got a great little team, team there. Phil, our goalkeeping coach, the top guy. Um, Gozzi, great goalkeeper. He's the number one. And Luke Beacon uh, is the 23's goalkeeper and the reserve goalkeeper. And I'm back up at number three, but it's a great bunch of lads. They're really, really cool. Um, the, the captain, Byron Mason, really nice guy. They've all made me feel incredibly welcome. But having not played in 11 seasons, it's uh, been a bit of an adventure, but, but loving it and just grasping the opportunity and, and showing them playing red and white stripes as well. So that's uh, always a bonus. Absolutely. I, I saw you, uh, one of your posts on social media, you were, you were running and you were in the, the, the kit and I was like, oh, that's, that's great. And, uh, I just think it's great that you, 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 you know, you got back out there and you're doing it and it's, uh, it's probably nice to be around a bunch of guys that are all working for the same thing. And, and just the camaraderie that we kind of talked about earlier that the fans are hopefully going to get back that, that hopefully the team is, is well. 
Um, are are you playing matches at this point, or is it still kind of on hold due to COVID? And and what uh, we'll put the the link to Schuling um, in. Well, I think I said it wrong now, right? Schuling. Schuling. Yeah, I was going to say Schuling before, uh, and then I said sh- so. Okay, so um, we'll put the link to Schuling in the the show notes. But um, you know, are, are you playing matches now, or or is that still on hold a little bit? So we're literally just about to start again. So as we come out of this next lockdown, we're allowed to go back training again and the league are just deciding what they're doing. But, um, but yeah, officially next weekend, we kind of get back playing again. And, you know, it was, it was kind of difficult because we had such a good little run before this, ne- this second lockdown. You know, we had a great little run in the FA Cup, which is incredibly special. Um, played Torquay United at home and then literally the, the doors just closed. So, you know, the team have done a great job, the management team behind the scenes to, to keep everyone focused and, me and, uh, me and Gozzi have had a little bit of a running competition of who can get the most miles in to stay fit, which I think I'm just ahead on still at the moment. But, but judgment days on that is Thursday, so we'll see how we get on. But, um, but yeah, no, so fingers crossed when everyone's listening to this podcast, we should be back into playing again. And, you know, and I'm not too sure what the rules are going to be on spectators as of yet, but you know, you're kindly going to post the link in the, in the, in the show notes. So uh, give the club a follow and you'll be able to see when our next games are. Yeah, and that's it. Uh, goes back to the original conversation we had about fans being in and what that revenue does, and and how important that is to a team like um, uh, like Schoeling to to have people in there and, and supporting the club. So hopefully that that can be done, even if you're not one of the lucky two thousand that's going to get into St. Mary's, um, because obviously you know going from thirty two thousand to two thousand that's a huge kind of drop off. So I'm uh, glad I don't have to deal with that because that's uh, it's going to make everybody upset. But um, can, let, let's talk a little bit about about the boys of '76 because um, for those of you, you, you mentioned Desire, Dream, Vision. You came on again with Life of a Saint. I can't. We were trying to figure out before if you were on again when they're not when there wasn't a, a project going on. Uh, but either way, we have those those episodes there. Um, and now you're coming out with with the boys of '76, which means you've worked with. Um, just a, a lot of, of former players, a lot of people that were around the club, a lot of people that played a role, not just in that day that we all kind of remember when we talk about Bobby Stokes and all that stuff, but um, the, the team itself. And, and I don't know, could you just give me a little bit of background as to, to what drew you towards that to, to want to, I guess, to make you start the, the whole project in the first place? Yeah, for sure. So the FA Cup is very special to me. Um, the history of it all, David versus Goliath. I talk about it in DDV. It, it's a big thing for me. Um, and obviously next year is the 45th anniversary. Uh, off the back of doing the Saints book, Life of the Saint, I was like, let's do one next year as a, as a special edition. We'll interview all the players. And then the idea just evolved. And I was like, well, why don't we make a documentary? And I interview these guys. Let's get it on film. Let's talk about that whole journey from the third round against Aston Villa right the way through the game against West Brom, through to the semi-final against Crystal Palace, and then to the final and then the celebrations afterwards. Um, so Mike Few, who works with me on Life of a Saint, is involved with this project as well. And we've got a great uh, guy called Tim Ryan, who runs a production company called Echo 80, who's gotten involved. And the players have been amazing so far. We've um, recorded about 75% of the documentary so far. Uh, we've done some great interviews with Laurie, with Pete Rodriguez, Hugh Fisher. Uh, we went to the bus the other week from the bus tour and did some interviews on there with Paul Gilchrist, Mel Blythe. So it's amazing. And, and we were meant to film with Mick Shannon and David Pete couple of weeks ago but lockdown of course uh, has just delayed that slightly but i'm hoping it's going to be an amazing project of, of just recording the stories recording the memories the fans are going to be involved as well um they're going to be part of it which is really really important for me because i think this project is important that it's it's not a commercial project for me this is about giving back to the boys and, and actually creating something and, and having a, a body of work there that really is maybe will allow younger fans to engage with that cup final for the first time you know there are there are so many clubs 
that haven't won the FA Cup that are a similar size to us, um, and if not bigger than us as well, you know. And I think it's important that we, we celebrate that. I don't think we celebrate it enough. We don't talk about it enough. And I guess some people will say, well, why are we glorifying something we haven't won in 45 years? But the amount of clubs that have never won the FA Cup, like, we should be celebrating these guys. There should be sweets at the stadium named after 76. There should be a statue for them. And that's something I'm busy working on in the background as well, which hopefully I'll be able to announce next year. But I think it's important to remember these guys. So that's what the project's all about. It's about recording these stories, making an engaging documentary that tells a definitive story. Um, but the big thing for me is, is giving back to the guys. So we've got our crowdfunder, which is underway at the moment. And as we speak, we're about 11% of the way. Um, so yeah, we're, we're trying to raise a few funds and we're trying to do it in a way that, that we know it's tough for everyone at the moment with, with COVID. There's a lot of pull on resources for, for families and, and that's, that's really, really, that's number one. Um, but obviously, we, to be able to write a check all the players for £1,976 is, is a big thing for me and to be able to do it we need to write about 15 checks for other people that were involved in the squad as well not just the 11 right. Huey Fisher's in there as well we've got Laurie and there's um, a couple of the players that played in the previous rounds and were part of that squad so you know, Bennett as well is in there so there's a, there's a few players there we want to look after and, and say a big thank you so I put together the project in the sense that hopefully the packages are affordable um, and you're going to get something in return. They're not trying to just shake a bucket and say, oh, please give us the money. You know, it's every package has got a reward. So the big one we're trying to push, especially around this Manchester United game, is the fact that if you've got a season ticket, um, you'll obviously get your match refund for, for not being able to go to today's game. Um, but if you could spare us just the £19, you'll get a commemorative DVD with your name in the credits of the film as well. So I'm hoping that that kind of engages with everyone in the sense that you can be part of the history and, you know, your name's going to be in the credits of the film. You get something for it. And we've got other packages as well that, that range in value that include like invites to the premiere and, and VIP drinks, receptions and stuff. But that basic package, I hope, is just enough that there's enough of a, a give back there in the sense of that we really appreciate the £19 if you can spare it. If we get 1,500 fans to be able to sign up for the £19 package, we, we smash the target mm -hmm. um, and we can write the check to all the players. So, um, Really appreciate times are tough at the moment, and you know, and it's going to be difficult for everyone, especially with Christmas coming up. But yeah. you know, if, if you are able to, you know, give us a, a little bit of your match refund from your season ticket, that would be amazing. And I mean, this is also a chance you could put, you could do that for somebody else as part of their Christmas yeah. present. You could, they could have 100%. their name in the credits. Which, as a, you know, there are many. I realize I'm, I'm a converted fan, you know, but uh, you have <laughs> lifelong Saints fans who, who have been around, and and, and I can say that. You know, when I first started watching the club, the 76 Cup final that kind of because we were on the EFL Cup run when I started the podcast, it was something that um, was coming up a lot. And and I remember trying to find fans early on that had been there. And and there are some around there are not there are maybe not as plentiful as as we would have hoped. I mean, there are a lot more people that were at the JPT uh, final, of course, because we basically filled the entire stadium. Um, but. Mm -hmm the the people that were there and and just what kind of what it means even to their to their to their children and things like that like the the stories they have about that day are are special uh you can also not to not to plug too much but the the saints archive you can the the match may or yeah. may not be on there if you join the group and be you know watch it if you want if you haven't um because it it was uh i was pleasantly surprised when i watched the match it was not what i was expecting from a, a football match uh with the um i guess the the stereotypes that go with football of that day uh, the team yeah. was very good. They played very nice football. It was an enjoyable match. The pitch is huge. 
Um, and, you know, at the end, spoiler alert, we lift the trophy and, uh, you know, we can talk about it now. So um, you mentioned there are some other packages. You have a 19 pound yeah. package and they go up from there, but the, the rewards also go up from there. So if anybody's interested, uh, we'll put the link in the show notes. People can go check it out, they can donate uh, or and, and be a part of this, because that's kind of what, what this whole thing is, is that it's about being involved and, and, and everybody kind of uh, being a part of this and, and celebrating those people who are still around who took who took pleasure who took uh who played in the game and who are who are part of that so uh, i do have a, a couple of questions just just around that i mean how how did you go about finding some of these guys because not all of them you know as i go through uh looking at some of the stuff from 76 a lot of people uh i guess it was a thing to do you buy a pub and you start working on a pub after that or, or or something like that but how did you go about finding these guys and tracking them down and, and convincing them to, to talk to you about this yeah that's such a good point you make and i think it's one of the stereotypes as well that we kind of have to to get over with, with some of the younger fans is these guys aren't on the money and weren't on the money that, you know, the players are today. And I think that's the big thing that that generation in the seventies and, and towards the eighties and maybe some of the nineties as well, they didn't make the big money that, that they did, um, as footballers now, you know, so these guys, like you rightly said, went around a pub and did other different pieces and maybe worked on a building site or did other jobs. They went back into normal life. That doesn't really sound the right thing to say, does right, it? Right. But they, they got a job that was another job after football. They didn't just stop playing and retire. Um, you know, but they were gods of their time, heroes. They still are heroes. Um, so yeah, I was really lucky. So Mike, he was a big part of the life of the Saint project and, and he's got loads of contacts with the former players. I'm very lucky. I know one or two, um, through bits and pieces. So yeah, Mike has pretty much kept in contact with all of them, which is amazing. Um, I was very lucky a few months back to play in a, in a charity match with, with Matt Letiz and, uh, Michael Shannon, Mick Shannon's son was there. And I said, oh, we'd love to set an interview up with your dad. Is that possible? And he's like, yeah, of course, let, let's sort it out, which was brilliant. Um, so yeah, and everyone's been really like impassioned to be part of it. You know, Mel Blythe and Paul Gilchrist came all the way down from London the other week and we did some filming on the bus. Um, and for me, it's just such a pleasure. You know, I kind of sit there and obviously it's all COVID safe how we're filming and, and distances, but I kind of sit there opposite these guys and I just, I'm a little bit in awe. I kind of have my questions and kind of get the stories out. But when you just chat to them and, you know, you, you really, really mean and really find out what it means I think that's the main important thing. You can still see to this very much this day how much it means when a fan comes and, and wants to talk to them about it and mm-hmm. when they talk about moments. And, and it's been incredibly powerful because obviously, sadly, you know, Bobby Stokes is no longer with us and, and neither is Peter Osgood. So to, to actually chat to the players about those players that were part of that squad and such a pivotal moment and, and get their memories and stories means that those guys are really part of this documentary as well, which is which was really important for me. But um yeah, it's a privilege and an honor to, to, be, to be talking to these guys you know, one-on-one and yeah, kind of hairs on the back of your neck kind of stand up when you, when you hear some of the stories. It's um, yeah, very special. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, i tell you what, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to, uh, to, to it all coming out. And um, I just, you know, I wish I couldn't do uh, be there at the premiere, but obviously COVID and, you know, the, I guess the, how many miles is it? Six, 7,000 miles between us. It makes it a little difficult, but, um, it'll be, it'll be yeah, good. To... Cool though. We've got some really cool things planned though. Like we've been chatting to the guys at Aussie Saints, um, and we're going to do a premiere in Australia. Mm-hmm. We're going to try and do them across, across the country. So, you know, uh, across the world, should I say? So, um, you know, maybe we'll try and set a little premiere up in the USA for you. Um, you know, Matt, we could do something over there. It'd be nice. It's just a big thing for me is getting the fans involved. So, right. uh, yeah, the premiere in Southampton is going to be very cool with right. lots of former saints as well as the 76 guys there. But, um, but yeah, no, we'll, we'll try and get you involved as much as we can. All right. All right. I like the sound of that. A um, couple other questions about it. We actually got a question from the ugly inside. Uh, so jumping ahead just to that, because it kind of falls into this. I mean, 
their their question was what what's kind of been your favorite anecdote that's come out uh, about from any of the guys that that you you've heard oh. and maybe you know you don't want to give it all away but what's something that maybe uh, you know you found surprising that you really enjoyed from from the guys. There's some great ones. There's one that I'd love to share, but I think it's going to be what we're going to finish the film on. Um, obviously, we've still got a few more interviews to do yet, but, but Pete Rodriguez um, came up with an amazing line, which kind of, yeah, part of me wants to share it with you, but yeah. part of me wants to kind of keep it because yeah, it, it I, is. No, no worries. Just, when I was opposite him, just the hairs on the back of my neck, um, there were some funny ones um, from chatting to Laurie and, and, and Jim Steele and that, and they were saying that obviously the West Brom game, there's this kind of conspiracy theory that they kind of were given food poisoning the night before the game. And obviously we managed to get the draw at West Brom and then we absolutely, you know, beat them when we got back to the Dell and the bit of revenge on that, which, it, which is a good little anecdote because they, they think someone put something in the food. Um, but yeah. yeah, no, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's just, it's the whole experience for me, for me is pretty special. You know, these guys were just a group of lads that wanted to go and play football and, you know, that you hear their stories of the semi-final and, you know, that realization they've made it to a cup final and that whole day, that whole experience and the whole staying in the hotel before we kind of cover loads of stuff in the documentary. So okay. yeah, I really hope that there's some really cool, interesting bits that maybe some people have heard before, but hear a different side of it or mm-hmm. something for the first time. But, but yeah, the, the Peter Rodriguez story, I kind of, oh, I just don't want to tell you, but no, I can't, no, it's going to be that's such fine. a good we'll, end to the film. We'll so uh, It'll be yeah. worth it. Yeah, um, it will be. And, and just, you know, you've done, you've done podcasts in the past, you, you've written books, you've published books. Um, you've worked on the radio, you've worked in front of, you know, live in front of people, you've done the, the Saints end of season awards and now you're getting, now you're getting into video and that's a whole different thing. Has it, has it been challenging for you to kind of, uh, cause it's a different way of telling a story versus doing something on the radio or, or even doing a live interview, I think. And so I guess it was what, for you, what's been the biggest challenge, uh, or, you know, and, and then also something you've enjoyed about the, the whole process other than, you know, sitting, getting to sit with people that you, you know, you know, most of us want to sit with and ask questions and you get the opportunity. Yeah, no, completely. I think, well, being a presenter, I, I love just hearing people's story. I think that's a big thing for me. And the Life of a Saint project has always been about telling people's stories. And, you know, it doesn't matter if you played a million games for Southampton or you played one game from Southampton, you're still a saint. So that, that's the real pleasure for me is, is chatting to these people. And it means so much to them to have, have worn the Saints red and white or yellow and blue, of course, for 76. But, um, yeah, it's, it's an amazing challenge because I think you, you kind of know where you want to go with it and you kind of go, right, we're going to go round by round. We're going to tell this story. And I know that one's quite a big story. That game was really important. And then obviously the final and, and how we kind of deal with that. Um, and, and I guess for me, it's, it's quite a, an exciting journey. Cause it's a bit of the unknown because you, you go into the interviews with the questions and you don't really know what, what you're going to get. Um, so I think that's part of the fun as well as, as kind of being a little bit apprehensive because you're really hoping that you're going to get something fresh, something different, and, and the stories are going to come across well. But yeah, it's been amazing so far. I'm kind of, um, the Rich from Saint Shirts has kind of given us the shirts to, from the 76 file to have as backdrops for some of the, some of the scenes, which is really cool. So, um, yeah, the whole experience is, is incredible. Loving telling the story. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll start editing in January time and start stitching it together. But I feel like we've got a good narrative so far, which, right. is, which is really cool. Of course, the, Oh, well, story is amazing, but actually the, the content we've got so far is wicked, and we've still got Ian Turner to speak to. Yeah, obviously Mick Shannon, David Peach to speak to as well, and uh, Jim McCallion. So there's still a couple more interviews to go, and I'm sure we'll get some more more nuggets from. Yeah, them. yeah. All right. Well, I, I hope it continues to go well, and I look forward, like I said, to the to the finished product. And we'll put all the links to to things for people to get involved uh, in the show notes. Obviously, uh, you mentioned it is COVID time; it is tough, but uh, Christmas is coming, and maybe if this is something you know. You have to buy somebody some plastic thing that they they won't care about. Um, 
honestly, we probably all have slippers we like. We're fine. Uh, so, you know, maybe your, your name in the credits here, something that'll live on uh, well past uh, well past the slippers and the socks. Um, anyway, uh, let, let's move on towards towards today a little bit and, and, and jump forward. Um, there was, of course, at the beginning of today's match, the minute of applause for Diego Maradona. And kind of told you before, I didn't post anything about it. I don't... I, I, one thing I never want to do is pretend uh, that I that I know something I don't, and I, I never watched Maradona play. I've seen the warm up video. I've seen, you know, seen some of the goals, and and from the hand of God to the one he scored, uh, the other one he scored that that day. Um, and but I also have a hard time separating the person from the player. And you know, I've listened a lot to people, but it just as you know, you've grown up in a, in a place where football is a much bigger deal than where I live. Um, so I guess just what, what's the mood been around, around that this week and, and kind of how have you kind of experienced that or, 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 or felt kind of his, uh, I guess his legacy so far. Yeah, I guess for my generation and someone says, who's the greatest of all time, you know, your first instant reaction is, is Messi or Ronaldo. Um, but I think for me as a, as a football fan and as an England fan, you know, whenever we played Argentina in a, in a world cup final, you know, the conversations with, with your uncles and your dads and your, and your family and friends was always about, oh, Maradona, hand of God. That's where the football in rivalry kind of really, it kind of happened. We, I think we still feel aggrieved and still feel cheated from that game that we yeah. should have won the World Cup that year. Um, but like you, you know, seeing video footage of him and, and seeing him warm up, that video of him just dancing around with his shoelaces undone, balancing the ball on his football, uh, the football on his head, you just, you really just see that skill and talent that he had. And it was like a lot of players of that generation when you talk about like the George Best and the Bobby Moores you kind of think how would they have played in the modern game without being taken out every five minutes you know their tackling was so heavy back in their day um, I think he's an absolute genius on the pitch and I think that's how his legacy remembered and you know, like you said you know there was some personal personal issues you know that have made the headlines as well but I think that in a time like this you just appreciate what a talent and what a gift he was to the world of football and the amount of players that have been inspired to play because of him, I think it is incredible. And to say you, you watch those videos of him playing, it's just memorizing and, you know, certainly up there is one of the greats of all time, if not the greatest. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that's something too, is, uh, you know, you don't go out in the street and pretend to be James Milner. You know, you don't just want to run up and down the pitch the whole time. You want to go out <laughs> that's and be... brilliant. That needs to be clipped up. That's brilliant. <laughs> I mean, he is my favorite player, but that's just because I am, I am, weird but you know you you want to go out and you pretend to be maradona i remember doing this as a baseball as a baseball player you want to do somebody with a with a with a cool swing and and all this other stuff but um you know so that that inspiration for so many for so many people and you know not necessarily just where you are but also it means it meant so much to argentina and i think the rest of south america so um just to to remember that i thought it was it was pretty special for the the players this is the first football match we i watched united versus uh at Southampton this morning. And that was the first match I watched all weekend because of uh, family things and things like that. But um, the, the tribute there I thought was, was, was pretty special. And I just kind of wanted to touch on that a little bit. Um, and, and then coming into to today, you know, the, the form of saints has been really, really good. We kind of talked about it earlier. Um, so I guess for you, just being able to watch and, you know, having maybe hopefully a little bit more time to see the, see the matches and, and kind of experience them, uh, I, I guess the same way I do. Um, what, what's been your biggest impression from the team so far this season? No, I just think Ralph's done a remarkable job. You know, the, the team seems to be playing really, really well. Um, you know, we're not going to win every game. And I guess when, when we start playing well like this, it creates that level of expectation that, you know, we're going to win every single game. You know, it was a tactical masterclass against Wolves on, 
on Monday. It was a very much a war of attrition, but I think we came out really well and played some good stuff. And there's so many positives like, to take at the moment. You know, the fact that we're scoring goals still when, when Danny Ings is injured, you know, fingers crossed he's going to be back pretty soon as well. But yeah, Walcott coming into the side and, and doing well. And I think it's just one of those seasons where everything just seems to be fitting into place. I get that kind of feel of when Pochettino and Koeman started putting a side together and we started to play well and everyone started to believe again. And I think the big thing for me is just hoping the side stays together. I still think there are positions and things that need strengthening, but the way we're playing football, that never kind of say die attitude that we've kind of got at the moment, I really like it, the intensity and, you know, you're going to get games like today. You know, we, we weren't the best. We weren't on top for what swathes of the game, but, you know, we managed to get ourselves ahead and disappointing. Obviously we couldn't keep the lead and, I, th- I felt we gave Man United a bit too much space, especially in the second half. And regardless of how well they're playing, you know, they're, they're still a, have got a lot of talented players in there um, and that can cause you problems. So that was obviously disappointing. But no, I'm really excited for this team. I think Ralph's doing a great job. I think he's got the players playing for the badge, which is really, really important. And, and you know, everyone talks about the game that should not be mentioned, but the turnaround has been incredible. And the belief, I think, is awesome. And yeah, proud to be a Saints fan right now because it's nice to see some exciting football. Players that want to wear the shirt, you know, you see that passion and you just see the, the outpour of emotion when Theo Walcott came back and how much it meant to him. I think that's, that's really special and it's an exciting time, I think, on the field for the club. So I'm looking forward to seeing how it progresses throughout the rest of the season. I'm a deluded Saints fan, so of course I'm dreaming we're going to be playing in Europe next year. But, you know, anywhere inside that top 10, you know, considering the struggles we've had over the last few seasons, you know, that would be incredible. That would be like a trophy for us finishing in the top 10 considering the last few years. So, yeah. And that will give us a great platform to build on again. I think for me, it, it, it almost now takes so much effort to not get swept away in the, in the enthusiasm. <laughs> yes. You know, it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, I got to hold on because, yeah. you know, we're... But it's tough not to get excited because you think, oh, we lose Ings and, and that's going to be real trouble. But then, you know, we, we keep getting results. We keep scoring goals. Walcott, I think, is like, as you mentioned, as a had a huge impact and it's not something we normally see from Ralph where somebody comes into the team and plays right away and plays such a pivotal role. And yet Walcott, maybe it's the experience. Maybe it's, uh, I think that has to be it. And, and um, he just comes in and is able to, to understand the system and fit in and not be perfect and, and not, you know, he still makes some mistakes and he, uh, but he's played across the front. Now he's played right, uh, left and center. And, you know, I, I can't really fault him for, for the work that he's doing. And I think that's a, he's been super influential since in, in, I guess in Ings's absence. Um, yeah. His movement off the ball has been brilliant as well. Like that first game where we didn't have Danny Ings, I just watched Theo and he kind of sat in that position and he did everything that, that Danny does. He drops in to get the ball, creates the space for Shea and, and the other players getting forward, which, which is great to see. But I just put, put the league table up and I can remember the commentary in the game today, which in the UK, if you listen, was just so Man United bias. It does my head in. But sorry, we're, we're higher in the league than Manchester United. You know, the, at half time, they're like, oh, United are 2 0 down. Well, hang on, no, Southampton are two up, yeah. who were kind of were top of the table a couple of weeks ago. United yeah. haven't been top of the table for a while. Um, and it's one of those, isn't it? We come away from the game disappointed, and you look at the league table, and we're still fifth. Yeah. Um, and you're kind of like, oh, okay, well, it's early doors still. But, yeah. you know, at, at many seasons over the last few years, to see Saints in fifth, you kind of, it kind of eases that disappointment slightly. Just conscious we need to bounce back again next game. Yeah, yeah. It's all about it's all about you know taking whatever positives were there and 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 learning from the mistakes and then moving on and do realize that the teams we're going to face, uh, especially if I think we go to Brighton uh, yeah. uh, next. You know they don't have quite the same quality. Uh, they do have Danny Welbeck and Adam Milano, but that's not the same. 
as uh, some of these other people that that United are able to throw out there. So, um, although I did feel today that that Cavani just did to us what Lazan did to us, you know, oh. it, it's just kind of the same yeah. thing, and it's just like why why does this happen? But at the same time, we're still in fifth place. Like that's yeah, that, that, that feels good to say. Um, yeah, and let's be honest. When like you look at our defensive line, you know we haven't we haven't without sounding disrespectful to the back line, we've got you know we haven't got world class defenders that everyone's like fighting over to get. And you've got a lad like Cannavari coming on, who like is an international, well known player who's incredible. His movement is phenomenal off the ball, you know. And there's lessons to be learned, of course, isn't there, from every single game. But you know, we've done so well, and I think Bednarak and Vestergaard have, have kind of paired up really well this season. So look. We're going to have the odd game where, you know, maybe we should have got closer to the ball this game. And I think we did give them a bit too much respect and we didn't close them down enough. But, you know, it's, um, yeah, I think with the squad we've got, we're doing incredibly well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, let's take a look at the lineup then. I think it was unchanged from, from previously. Uh, McCarthy, Kyle Walker-Peters, Bednarak, Vestergaard, and Bertrand going from right to left along the back line. Warpras, Romeo in the middle. Armstrong out wide right, well, kind of wide. Um, Janabo on the left, and then Adams and Walcott up front. Um, you pretty much kind of know that's what it's going to be with Ings out injured, with Redmond missing through injury. And, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think there should have been any changes. I think that's the team, that's, that seems to be Ralph's style, is you put these guys out there with the understanding of what they're all doing, and they continue to, to impress. And I would say, though, that the for, I mean, unless you unless you disagree with that, we'll just kind of move on to the first twenty minutes where we're really kind of up against it. Where United had the the better spell of possession, they were causing trouble in the midfield. They outnumbered us uh, in, in midfield, and and you know you outnumber us, and you have quality midfielders, which will cause us problems. And we just couldn't seem to quite link passes together. The kind of one touch stuff wasn't working, and yet we still wound up kind of uh, you know holding off uh, and holding on for that and, and working through it. But um, I guess was the start of the game worrying for you when you kind of saw that we were we just couldn't seem to get out of our own half for for portions of it. Yeah, it was an interesting lineup, wasn't it? From from United's perspective, you know, I think for Southampton, I, I like that lineup. Um, Romeo, I think, has been brilliant this season. That like, really showed some real class. Isn't afraid to get stuck in. I know he picks up the odd, too many yellow cards, but you know, I like to see a bit of passion and someone that's prepared to to put a tackle in the middle of the park. Gineppo seems to be getting stronger the more game time he's getting does remind me of a, a very early Sadio Mane, just needs that strength, needs that confidence. And I think we're slowly seeing that come through, which is really, really good. And, you know, the rest of the side speaks for itself, which I think, I think is really good. But yeah, that first 20 minutes was, was, it was, it was tough because I kind of, at points I looked at it and saw Man City-esque in the sense of, right, we haven't got the ball. And we've got the composure to sit back and, and let you attack us because we know we're going to get a goal. The glimpses, I thought, okay, you know, I feel like we've got this, but... The way United set up, they were just so deep every time that, that they took up so much of the pitch. So whenever we got the ball, it was very difficult to then hit our counter and get up because they were sitting quite deep. That did make it very difficult to get out. And when you've got players like Greenwood and Rashford and the squad that Man United have, they're always going to put pressure on you on your back line. And it kind of penned us in, really. Um, so obviously to get the goals from the set piece from the corner, obviously, was, was very important. With Bednarak coming up and, and getting that one in, that kind of took a little bit of pressure off and and then James's free kick, obviously, masterclass from James Ward Prowse once again. But yeah, I, th- I think it's tough, you know, when you play against a side like Manchester United, regardless of their form, they are still a very talented team of, of individual footballers that if they can play together, they should be doing a lot better than what they are. So it's always going to be going to be difficult because they will expose you if you push too high and if you if you take too many risks. So it's getting that balance right. But, um, you know, it was a good test today. And I say it was pleasing to be 2-0 up at half time. 
Yeah, I, I thought we were maybe a little fortunate to be there. Um, but as you said, Wardhouse heavily involved in, in in both goals, and it, what I think we just have to say, United. If we look at the job that Ralph has done with with Saints and, and the squad that he has, and you you transfer that over to United and look at the squad that they have and the job that uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has done, it does, it's not quite the same. And no. you know, maybe it, there's a there is a, a positive light here. Um, we lose today, and maybe now nobody wants to take Ralph. So we'll we'll take that because I know, um, <laughs> I, I know that uh, Carl Anker, who was the you know writing for the Athletic, covering yeah. Southampton last year, every time he got asked about it a lot on Twitter the last couple of weeks as as we were approaching this match, and he just said, you know, leave Ralph alone. Um, yeah. And I have to know that deep down in his heart, he would go like, yeah, I'll take him, but he's not going to say it out loud because he because he is uh, a gentleman. Uh, so we'll take yeah. that. And I did post on on Twitter or Instagram. That, you know, losing the Carl Anker Derby really does kind of hurt a little bit. Uh, it's not what I wanted, but um, you know, going. I guess let's talk about that first goal because it seemed that we were just trying to crowd out De Gea uh, mm. under everybody standing right on the line, right around him, and that ball just comes in just right to the front post. And we've seen set pieces for us the last couple of weeks. It seemed like we were aiming for Vestergaard at the back for some sort of knockdown, and he was standing more. Um, in line with the penalty spot that he was, uh, you know, anywhere else. And this week we seem to have changed that tactic and I don't know what it is. Um, maybe it's just the belief that the De Gea won't come through and, and, and try to get there or, or what. But um, I think Ward Prowse's kind of initial uh, delivery from that was, was spectacular. And then Bednarak's flicked header was, was perfect. Yeah, no, it was. You know, it's, it's from a tactical point of view. It's, it's always an interesting one. Whenever that ball's put into the front post, because obviously you're, you're trying to pray for a knock-on or, you know, if you can win the ball first, you can get a nudge. But, I'm kind of, I'm never really a fan of just trying to get it into that front post. I'm like, get the ball in, get a delivery into the box, get something in there to, to, to cause a problem. Um, and you know, I would say a large portion of the time, the ball doesn't even make it past the front man when, when they go for that, that ball at the front post. Um, but yeah, no, overcrowded it today, timed it perfectly because it's from a goalkeeping perspective is a, is a difficult decision there of, of do you come or do you stay? You know, if you've got loads of players in front of you, are you expecting your defenders to be better? Which I think the United defenders should have done better. But then you say, should David De Gea have come and, and claim that ball? It's at his front post. But, you know, it was an incredibly crowded area. And look, let's not try and make uh, excuses for Man United. Ben Rack took his goal well and, and it put us one up. And, you know, obviously we've made it difficult for him. Um, he's just come off half-time injured, which obviously no one likes to see, but hopefully he's okay. But, um, you know, it, it, for, for me... You kind of look at it, you think the defender should have done better, for, but we'll take that, you know, and if that ball occasionally works at the front post and we can win the flick on and get something, I'll take it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I guess one, one complaint I would have today is not a lot of chances out of, out of open play, but capitalizing on the set pieces, um, you know, I, I don't think it's fair to criticize them and then not give them credit for, for what they're doing because um, obviously they're, they're working on the set pieces and, and they are... I don't want to say low percentages, but uh, they are they take work and then to perfect them and make 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 teams pay. I thought it was good. And, and after that initial kind of you know twenty twenty five minutes of, of pressure from United, we came up with three corners kind of right in, in, in like the line of four minutes, and we had some pressure and we scored from that. Uh, and then the second goal eventually comes uh, a few minutes later from from Ward Prowse. And um, I mean that's just something teams have to know. They can't give away free kicks. You know, especially yeah. on the, on the left half of of the of, of the of the field, anywhere around the the eighteen yard box, because Ward Prowse will make them pay, and he's had some very special ones in the past, and very pretty ones in the past. And then you you know you get the commentators on afterwards that say, oh well, you know the placement wasn't that good. The goalkeeper should have said it. And, and this one, um, they showed the replay, and it's I mean, it is just 
millimeters off the post. So I don't, maybe, yeah. maybe he could have got it a little higher, but I, I don't think there's anything he could have done. I don't <laughs> think there's anything De Gea could have done. Uh, and that is kind well, of, I think, where the injury came Flying from. towards a post isn't, isn't, isn't the most um, exciting prospect. Yeah. Throwing yourself towards a, a, a movable object with yourself, yeah. with the human body. But um, yeah, no, look, Fred gave away, from a Man United perspective, giving away a free kick there is sloppy, especially when you know what, what Southampton can do. Um, but we could say that about ourselves for, for Manchester United's second goal. You know, we had a free kick, decided to go backwards and then gave one away and, you know, gave them a chance. But yeah, I think it mentioned what you said about open play. I think it, it was quite interesting today that the way Manchester United set up and defended, there was always bodies behind the ball. Um, and obviously that's been very difficult to break through because they, are, they did seek quite deep, um, which obviously makes it then difficult to, to kind of get those run-ins and, and use that turn of pace and, and find the space. But I think we had chances. There was a, a great ball that, that got put to, I think, Theo Whip one across the box in the first half, which we didn't quite get on the end of. It was Adams at the back post. But... Um, yeah, look, plenty of positives to take away. If I say set pieces, making the most of those. And Prowse is just a genius. I don't know why, you know, the last England squad he was in, like Kieran Trippier's taking free kicks. Like, we've got this guy on the pitch. Like, if you were to show a highlights reel right now, and in 10 years' time of this season, James Ward Prowse is like one of the best, defend, uh, best midfielders in the world yeah. with his free kick ability and the way he can put a ball in. But um, yeah. yeah, I think he's level with Jamie Redknapp now. He's obviously ahead of Latiz. But I think he's chasing down that David Beckham of 16 free kick David Beckham, isn't it? So yeah. I think he'll be chasing that down in a few years. But, you know, I'm glad we've got him locked into a long-term contract. But I think he's a, re- a great guy. When I, when I hosted the awards, he, he won a couple that season. He won the President's Award from, from Terry Payne. So, um, yeah, I've got a lot of time for James Ward-Prowse, a fantastic player. And, you know, I, I hope he, I, I, I can't see him going anywhere. You never know. Right. Um, but, you know, I kind of really hope he is is like a Lambert and a Letiz and, and those kind of icons that become real clubmen because, you know, there's real potential and chances for us the way things are going and it'd be great to have him as our talisman. Yeah, if he wants to go the, the route of David Beckham, I mean, he'd be down the street from me, so I'll take that later in his career. <laughs> yeah, if he um, wants to come to Galaxy, right? Yeah, yeah. And then, I mean, I, I don't know if you're how familiar you are with it, but one of the things that Beckham put in his contract was he, he basically like said, if I'm coming over there, I'm guaranteed... To, to be able to buy into a club, uh, yeah, yep. buy into the franchise at, at a set price, um, which means he paid just a significantly lower price than everybody else. I think people are paying upwards of $200 million to, to buy into a franchise, and he paid something like $25 million, I think. I could be wrong on, yep. the, on the exact number, but he's a brilliant businessman in, in, in addition to being a fantastic footballer with a lot of tattoos and very pretty. Um, so uh, <laughs> Ward Prowse is behind on the tattoos and, and also on the free kicks, but he's getting there. Um, Let's talk about goalkeeping a little bit because uh, there was a, a, a section, or sorry, there, there was a moment early on when there was a, a miscommunication between Vestergaard and McCarthy. And I didn't quite think the ball had enough on it to get all the way to McCarthy. I thought Vestergaard should have dealt with it. But I also thought the communication, just somebody needs to take some take leadership and take charge out there. And from my perspective, not being a goalkeeper, I know that the defender is running back and not being able to see necessarily everything that's, that's happening. And the, and the goalkeeper does have the opportunity to kind of see everything that's out in front of him. Um, so when you, when you saw that, I mean, my heart was in my mouth, but uh, <laughs> what, what, did, what, were you, what were you feeling on that? And what was uh, kind of your initial, I guess, reaction to that, that miscommunication early on in the match? Yes, yeah, it's, it's a big thing as a goalkeeper, communication with, with your defenders. Um, yeah, it's kind of one of those, isn't it? As a Southampton fan, you're always conscious that there's going to be maybe a potential slip at some point, like a heart in the mouth moment. I don't think it would be a Saints game without one or two of those. Um, but, you know, if, if, if we're talking, I think we're talking about the same one, that McCarthy made a great save on the second bit of it. So he kind of made, made up for it while intruding. I think he did some great stuff today, actually. He made some really good saves and 
the important saves. But look, it's it's like anything, isn't it? The pressure of, of goalkeeper and defender relationships. You know, you, you time it perfectly, and it's it's a great bit of play. And especially like teams like us that want to play out from the back. You know, the amount of times that we've got the ball near the centre circle and we go all the way back to the goalkeeper. Um, that communication is important. But yeah, luckily we didn't have to pay for it today. Right. Um, you know, but even even the greats have had to pay for decisions like that, wasn't it? I'm sure there was famous one start of a couple of seasons ago. It might have been De Gea or it was one of the big teams, wasn't it? That had yeah. a, Kepa, Kepa did it as well, didn't he? I think start of last season. But, yeah. you know, these things happen. But communication is important. And, look, you know, it, I think defensively with Vestergaard and Bednarak and McCarthy, I think we can say that, you know, the improvement is something we can definitely see. And there's lots of positives to take from that. Yeah, I, I thought McCarthy showed us the best and worst of himself today in, in, in true kind of McCarthy fashion, struggling sometimes yeah. to distribute the ball effectively, but then making up for it with a spectacular double save and coming up big in one-on-one situations. And yeah. uh, it's, you know, I I don't want to criticize him too much or more than he deserves because that's kind of, you know, he's being asked somewhat to do something he's not comfortable with. In uh, a lot of teams uh, beforehand, you look at because I think he's 31, maybe 30, 31. So coming up most of his life, probably not distributing the ball from the back in terms of, of making passes into midfield and more kind of like, you know, you aim for the corner of, of the halfway line and, and put it somewhere around there and that'll be fine. Um, and and now no. having having different things happen and, and you know, being given. I guess now you get punished for that if you if you make yeah. a mistake giving away a ball in midfield the way he did. But then, he, like you said, he made up for it with the uh, with, with the passes. And I also sometimes I wonder there's a, there's always a moment in every match where McCarthy comes to punch and he doesn't quite get there. And every time yeah. I go, oh no! And this time they did score for me. That was the that was well, the second that goal. One. Yeah, just but the punch wasn't you know it was into, back into a danger. And I think I guess that's the thing with goalkeeper, isn't it? Like that that ask now of the modern goalkeeper, you're more than just a guy who stands in the net and has to stop the ball. You've got to play you've got a link play you've got to set things up um you know and, and it is a tough position because if you're a midfielder you're a striker or you're a winger and you lose the ball or you don't get it quite right guess what there's another player behind you but you are the last line of defense and I know it's a cliche everyone talks about goalkeepers but you know the, the more and more they're getting asked to do the more and more these strikers are putting incredible crosses in they're putting incredible headers in their shots are faster than ever they're being creative some of the skills that we see um, so it's it's a great little battle. I love I love watching it develop over the years and you know and, and over the months and seeing how teams play and adapt. But yeah, I'm part of the goalkeepers' union, so I'm always yeah. one to defend a goalkeeper. But um, but yeah, like you said, it's tough, right? A ball comes in, you've got an instant decision to make of of what you do. Do you punch it? Do you catch it? Do you? And you've got to back yourself on that decision. And if you're going to punch it, you've got to punch it clear, and you've got to get something on it and get it away. Um, but at the same point, he's punched it away. And then have the defenders reacted is another thing I would say. You know, yeah. I think we st- we stood off Man United again too much in that instance. You know, we just let people wonder, and you know, you got you got to maintain your your concentration at those points when when the keeper has punched it and cleared it. You got to step up. You got to react, close the ball down, and I think we just gave them a little bit too much respect at a couple of chance chances today. Yeah, I think that that that's totally it. And and. Every time they scored, I was like, okay, who's offside? And it turns out nobody. You know, there's somebody yeah. playing way we're, too deep. We're hoping for yeah. VAR now oh, just man. to roll out every goal that goes against you. Like, oh, come on, VAR, was, it, was his armpit offside or something? <laughs> and, and I mean, we were saved by that so many times last season. Yeah. And then this season, it seems to be a thing. But also, United didn't get a penalty today. So maybe... I know, I was so surprised. I, when, when it went 2-2 or one, when it went 2-1 issue, I was like, here we go. Yeah. That's 2-2. Two, two. There's a penalty coming soon. Right. And then uh, <laughs> it was, it was uh, we, we were saved from a United penalty. Um, do, do you think that was kind of the, the problem, though? You, you mentioned just 
standing off them, giving them too much space. It looked like um, Cavani, you know, was able to to get into some space. And and sometimes, uh, as you said, the, if a goalkeeper makes a mistake, it's almost always going to be punished um, mm-hmm. by by the other team scoring a goal, which is a huge swing in, in a game when you're you're you know you're only going to get uh, a goal or two between the teams. And whereas, you know, Trey Adams loses the ball upfield, which doesn't happen very often, or Ward Prowse gives it away in the middle, or Romeo does, there is generally somebody else. Or, you know, you have the opportunity, if, it, if worst case scenario, to bring the player down, take a yellow card. McCarthy doesn't have that opportunity. He doesn't have that, that, that safety valve, I guess, um, that everybody else, that everybody else does. So we should keep that in, in mind. And I thought, you know, I, I thought he was probably, he was definitely the, the better of the goalkeepers today. And there were three to choose from, not just two, which is, which is abnormal. But yeah. uh, I, I would say that he was, he was definitely busier, but also, uh, you know, showed himself to, to be up to the task of, of making saves, especially I thought, I thought uh, there were a couple of times where I thought Rashford was offside potentially, but he, he got through and McCarthy made the stop anyway. So I guess we just, yeah, we just give him some and credit. I think as well, we, we have to appreciate that was a great ball in for Rashford for, for one of the headers as well. Yeah. I like whipped right in, you know, it was, a, it was a great ball. And the way he was stooping in for the header, you know, we have to kind of give him a little bit of credit on that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, overall, uh, a little bit disappointing, I guess, to, to, to give away the lead just because yeah. we were 2-0 up and having not played well, which I think is a sign of something good because we were able to withstand some pressure and, and we didn't cave. And then the second half, I, I felt like we were going to be okay. And it just, it, we were until the dog had to pee at the 58 minute mark. And then I missed the first goal um, <laughs> because of the puppy. So uh, I came yeah. in, saw they scored and went like, I guess they, they had that coming. And then I just, you know, just holding on sitting there and just, it, it was, it was not a good feeling because it didn't, it didn't feel no. right. And then five minutes of stoppage time and, and all of this stuff. But it's always the way with those teams though, isn't it? It's the same with Liverpool, Manchester United, you know, if they get themselves back in a game, you just know what's coming. And, and as frustrating and as annoying as that is, you know, you, you, you see it come, you're like, oh no, please no, please no, don't get an equalizer. And you, and you, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just the, the psychological aspect of it that as a fan and, you know, you're thinking, oh no, they're backing it now. But then I guess it's the quality of, of those teams, like I alluded to earlier, you know, that they're not playing that well at the moment. But at the end of the day, if you look at that, that team sheet, there are quality players out there that, you know, I'm betting loads of Saints fans have, have got in their fantasy football team. You know, there are players in there that have got great quality that can create those moments of magic. So when they are 2-0 down, they are always dangerous. Even at 3-0 down, they are dangerous. Um, and I think that's what we, we, we paid for today. I guess if we had the chance to go back to halftime and, and do something differently, would you even, I mean, do you think we need to encourage the team to attack more and press more? Because it seemed like United outpressed us a little bit today which is the first time I've seen us kind of lose that battle. We've played, you know, teams that are traditionally pressing sides. And I, I don't, because I don't consider Man- Manchester United one of those teams. I think they would much rather hit us on the counterattack uh, with, with the pace, especially given that Bednarak and Vestergaard are not the, the fastest uh, individuals. And McCarthy, you know, covering, we saw him play a super high line early on in the season. It didn't work. Um, so I guess would you have said just, you know, go out and press them more? Or do you think that, I mean, I don't really want to question Ralph too much, but uh, yeah, I'm not really sure. sure. Yeah, no, I think like we said earlier on, United were, you know, they, they weren't the best, you know, and, and we didn't have our best of days. But, you know, the way they, they set up, it was just very difficult for us to, to break through. And, and, you know, you, players like Rashford um, up front as well and Greenwood in the first half, they've got pace. So it's okay pushing up, but all of a sudden you then get caught with the ball over the top. So I think it's a six of one, half a dozen of another situation, yeah. really, because you can say, yeah, less we should have pushed up a bit more, we should have pressed a bit more. I think ultimately we should have retained the ball a little bit more. We gave the ball away too sloppy today. 
Um, you know, I committed two, one too many fouls, I think, in, in, in areas that we didn't need to. You know, that, I think it was the second United goal. You know, we've got a free kick. We've played it backwards and given away a free kick. Right. You know, this, this game management, I think, was maybe where we let ourselves slip a little bit today. But, you know, like we said, you know, <laughs> we kind of feel a bit deflated or disappointed right now. But look at the league table. We're fifth. Right. We're not, we're not in the bottom half. We're not fighting relegation at the moment. We've had some great games. We've got Brighton up next. We've got Sheffield United on the way. You know, that's easily potentially another six points before, you know, our next couple of games after that. You know, we've got to play Arsenal, Man City and Liverpool around Christmas, haven't we? I think mm-hmm. between, between now and Christmas. But there's Fulham in there, West Ham's in there as well. So, you know, there's, there's some really winnable games the way we're playing. You know, the way Liverpool are going on at the moment with injuries, you know, I'm sure they'll have a, a few more little slip-ups and Mr. Klopp will be upset a little bit more because it's too many games for him. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there's, there's points to be had there. You know, there's, there's nothing to be afraid of. I think that's what's nice about us and that we're playing with that freedom, we're playing with energy, we're playing with excitement and, you know, maybe we're, we're paying for not enough depth maybe, you know, we've got a great starting lineup, but maybe we quite haven't got those options on the bench that just give us that little bit of extra and then that's, that's nothing against the guys that are on the bench today, you know, like Long and, and Lindelou came on and Femi. we've got some great players there on the bench, but, you know, sometimes you just need that, like you said, like a Milner that's got that experience off the bench that can just come in and, and just, just steady the ship a little bit. I think maybe that's, Maybe that's what we lack a little bit, maybe, yeah. but who knows? Yeah, and it's always going to be tough, as you said, against a team like United. And like I think you pointing out the game management aspect, which I thought we were, I guess going back to that Everton match, that the game management we, we, we showed there was, was very impressive and something that I hadn't really seen from Saints up until that point. So Incredible, that game. <laughs> and, and you just kind of hope, okay, build on that, build on that. And then you come up against teams where, you know, it doesn't quite, like, I, we, we lost it against Aston Villa. We didn't manage the game well. And then you kind of go, okay, well, this is like, I guess maybe this is just part of growing. And then you come up against a team, I guess, that has the, I guess, the quality of United and it gets harder to manage the game. And, and all of a sudden, the little things that you were doing against teams lower down the table that were working aren't quite finding the places. And then you have to recover and, and it, it, they, they punish you for it eventually. And I think, you know, yeah. we got lucky a little bit in the first half and then to, to, you know, you continue to do that and, and they eventually will make you pay for it. And I think that's kind of just what happened today. But like that's you said, cool. fifth place, um, you know, they're not, we are, and, and we have a chance to continue to improve and, and, and move forward. Um, just one more question, probably as divisive uh, as anything I've asked you so far, uh, man marking, zonal marking, where, where, where do you stand on that? Oh, I prefer man marking because it's some responsibility. Stick with your man. Win the ball, no messing around. I kind of see the advantage of zonal, zonal marking, but, but for me personally, I like, I like kind of stick to your man, height for height. Let's not get caught out with all of a sudden someone not as tall as you coming up against the ball and winning it off you. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a man-to-man kind of, kind of man. What about you? Uh, yeah, I think I was just raised just, you know, this is your guy, stick with him. And that's always, yeah. at, at some point, especially I guess when you play in the park, it's just like, that's your man, stay with him. Because there's nobody, there's no tactics. It's just like, you just, just yeah. don't lose the the individual battle. And I think we have guys in the team that are really good at that. You look at Che Adams, I thought today he was, he was impressive again. And, and doing all those things, holding the ball up and things like that. But sometimes our set pieces, you just wonder... You know, I can understand maybe you have one guy who's kind of free, maybe maybe even two people who are kind of either side of the six yard area, and you just say anything in here, you just attack and just obliterate and just get it out of there. Um, but at the end of the day, I think man marking you just everybody lines up, you stay with them and do the best you can. So uh, yeah. I'm good with that. Um, those questions came from from Al Capone uh, on, um, on on Instagram, so I just wanted to kind of throw those in there at the end. 
Um, but uh, yeah, I just want to say thank you again for for coming on and, and talking about this and talking about uh, the boys of 76. And and I am very much looking forward to the video coming out, the movie coming out. Uh, or what do you call it? You call it a video, you call it a movie. What do you, what do you, production? Documentary, film, movie. Oh, yes. Okay. It's All documentary. Right. Yes. Well, I don't want to, I don't want to minimize it. You know, my kids take videos on their phones. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to do that to you because I know yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a lot of work and um, I'm very much looking forward to it. And you know, the book for the people who haven't uh, taken life of a saint or given life of a saint, uh, a read through it's, it's uh, fantastic. Uh, the stories are great. And so just to, to have that in there and know this is coming, I, I'm very much looking forward to it. And um, all the links and everything that everybody needs are, are going to be in the show notes so people can go down there and click through and, and, and kind of stay in touch. And at least, you know, 2,000 fans back in the stadium now, uh, hopefully, you know, a fuller house uh, when we get to this in the spring. So, um, yeah, I just want to say congratulations on the project and, and continuing to do that. And, and thank you again for coming on. No worries. Thanks so much for having me on and keep up with your work. Love the podcast. So, um, pleasure to be on. Thank you. Appreciate it. that does it for this week's episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope that you've enjoyed it. Special thanks this week goes out to Michael Kern. You can find him on Twitter and Instagram at Michael Kern. If you'd like to get involved with the newest project, Lori and the Boys of 76, Michael is working with many wonderful people to help complete that project and you can be part of it by going to lifeofasaint.co.uk. Click on the pop-up that shows up and uh, you can learn more and how to get involved with the project I think you'll be very satisfied if you do that. Just like Michael has many wonderful people that he is working with, so do I. The Southampton page on Twitter is the partner page of the show. They will keep you up to date with everything going on around the Southampton Football Club. And if you're interested in more of the history, be sure to check out the Saints Archive. Together, we recorded the latest episode of the Total Recall segment of the show, which will be out sometime around Christmas. But check them out. The links are in the show notes. The logo for the show is done by Matt Beeling of the We Are Southampton page on Instagram. All music comes courtesy of the Free Music Archive at freemusicarchive.org. The intro song is Epic Song by Boxcat Games. And the end of show credits that you'll listen to right now is Aim is True by Ponington Bear. If you are enjoying the show, please do leave a review and a rating on iTunes or wherever you listen. It helps other people find out about the show. And if you'd like a little bit more and you'd like to make sure the show continues, please consider supporting the show on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash SFC delivery. Although I realize it is the holidays, it is peak COVID time, and uh, this might not be the right time, and that's okay too. I hope you stay well, and we'll be back next week after the Brighton match. And until then, we're going to together and march on.
all day. That's her all day. 